0: Welcome to LoveWise Relationship Radio, bringing you love stories, advice, and open conversations for finding and nurturing true and lasting love. More wisdom at TrishaBennett.com. I'm Trisha Bennett, a couples and family therapist in practice for over 30 years. On behalf of myself, my co-hosts, and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy. I have a very special guest and a very special invitation for you today. I like to say that as women, the best is always ahead of us. We get better as we age. We all want to feel sexy, confident, vibrant, and successful with the energy of our 30s and the wisdom of our current age. Today, I want to share with you an amazing free 14-day online mega event The Extraordinary Life After 40 Summit will reach tens of thousands of women, helping us to balance our hormones and enhance every area of our lives. From fulfilling our purpose and having loving relationships to mind-blowing sex, vibrant health, abundance, and much, much more. Grab a pen so that I can give you the link to register and join me and women around the world in this free mega event starting october twenty first. Ready? Here's the link. Extraordinary life after forward slash REF forward slash Trisha plus Bennett. Again, extraordinary life after forty, that's four zero dot com forward slash REF forward slash Trisha, T-R-I-C-I-A, the plus sign, B-E-N-N-E-T-T. It's truly an honor for me to be featured alongside other world-renowned experts such as Alison Armstrong, Ariel Ford, Julie Hannon, Marcy Shymoff, and Catherine Woodward Thomas. I hope you'll join us. In honor of us all having an extraordinary life, in this episode, musician James Taylor's amazing mother is going to treat you to some tidbits of her extraordinary life. Trudy Taylor passed away in 2015 at the age of 93. She lived an extraordinary life and inspired other women to do the same, right to and through the last moments of her life. Originally posted in 2013... It is my pleasure to introduce her again. One of the things that we've noticed around here is that whether a woman is 18 or 87, when she's telling a love story, there's a kind of magic and sparkle that never fades. Welcome to Trudy Taylor Part 2, where she shares with us how she met her husband and how she knew he was the one. Can I ask you to tell us about meeting
1: Ike and how you knew he was the right person for you? Yeah, that's easy. Um, uh, When I was in Boston, um, I loved being in Boston at the ages I was. And if I I wanted to stay there over the summer, I'd always get a job, bookshop, flower shop. They all loved me because I really knew books and I am great with plants. I'm a, I, always, I mean, you can't imagine how much I know about plants. I really know a lot. And I've taken lots of botany courses and et, et cetera. But anyway, there were a couple of little old men in Boston when I was young. And if I, I knew I could get a job in any florist shop in Boston, because I, I knew what they were doing. but um, So I'd get a job for the summer. and. And socialize with my friends and have a great time. Anyway, one of my uh, the artist friends, from painter friends from Miss Child School, had married a young doctor, a medical student from the Harvard Medical School. Mind you, this was the war. This was war years. You cannot imagine what what it was like, the Second World War. To be, I mean, it changed our whole outlook on life and our whole everything we did was. Um, Kind of focused in on uh, in in you know, on that war. All the medical uh, all the stu- all the young men were in uniform or, or at war, just everybody. And um, they were on submarines. They were in the navy, the army. You know, they were just taken right out of college and shipped off somewhere. The colleges had. Um, Navy branches and NROTC and stuff and you could be in uniform and still be going to college and uh, so my friend called me uh, her husband was in uniform and at the Harvard Medical School and so she called me and said I'm giving a party this weekend I want you to come so I had recently decided that I was not going to be an operatic. After studying for a thousand years, um, uh, I was not going to be in opera. I went to New York and I asked someone from the Metropolitan Opera Company to uh, do a kind of a site visit on me and give me her advice. She said, "Don't, no, don't do opera. You don't have the voice for it." She said, "Do um, recitals and uh, etc." So I did some summer theater. I did um, some musicals. So anyway, I decided that that summer, about two weeks after she told me that in New York, I came back to Boston. My friend asked me out for dinner. And we went to this, uh, I went to this house, and I had bought, now I'm in a different mood. I've dated guys, but usually they were not interested in me physically. I couldn't, I didn't want want to go there. I was scared to death of... uh, you know, getting involved with somebody—well, not not totally, but you know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you might be able to be one of. Them.
1: <laughs> but there's no way I would have lived with a young man before marriage. That's another thing that was not of my day. Anyway, so I went. Uh, I bought this really divine suit. Okay, I went into a different mode. I was. I was. Thought I'm really going to start looking at men toward whether or not I really wanted, you know, I was 20, 22, and uh, I got myself into a thought process where I was looking at men in a different way. You know, I'd go out for dinner with them, or I'd ride a bicycle off somewhere in the country with them, or I'd canoe with them, I'd do anything that they wanted to do, but I really wanted to stay away from them physically, totally different from today. And, now um, she'll go with anybody. <laughs> 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 so, so, I, so I went in this house. It was my friend's. She was renting They were renting it two or three women together with their boyfriends and have uh, no husbands. And uh, so she said to me, you have to come. There's someone who's going to be here that I want you to meet and uh so anyway, I bought this really divine Scotch plaid suit. It was so great. <laughs> it was a uh a simple jacket, classic it was a dress, a th- a dress steward. it. It was a white background with red, green, a little bit of yellow, and a tiny bit of navy blue. Plaid. It was. It fit me perfectly. It had a, a pleated skirt. I really, really dressed for that party, and I went into the house. And there was a right inside the, this house in Cambridge. There was a stairwell going up, I guess, but there was a medical student standing there. They were all from Harvard, and he uh, he watched me come in the door for about five feet, and then he said to me, oh, "I introduced myself," and he told me what his name was and he said can i take you home after the party huh? i said sure i didn't know any better and um so i said but uh i'm just going to circulate and meet some other people see if i knew anyone there and i went out in the back room and there unfortunately near the source of alcohol was um oh nancy came up to me my friend and she said uh have you met Ikea? And I said, uh, No, where is he? So she told me he was out there. So I went out and I told him, I mean, we were introduced. Um, there were other people standing around and stuff. And we talked for about five minutes and he said, uh, Can I take you home? <laughs> and I said, Sure. <laughs> I knew I was in trouble, but I didn't care. So we stayed maybe a half an hour longer, and then we left. And as we left, the other medical student was standing still by the front door, checking the girls out. Is what she, what he was doing, and um, he said, uh, "I said good night," and he said, "But you said I could take you home," and I said, "I'm sorry." I know I did. I'm sorry. And Ike and I, I, I left, and that's how I met my husband. But I knew that night this was someone that I wasn't going to take casually or fool around with. That it was someone that I was truly, on a physical level, drawn to. But also his attitude, the way, the way he, the way he didn't. The way he talked, everything about him was uh, meticulous and so special to me. And um, he was not in uniform because he had been examined for the the Army or Navy or something. And they rejected him because he had an extra vertebrae or something in his back. He was very tall. And um, anyway, so we started dating after that. But I knew right away that this was someone... Uh, who um, you know? Animals have this uh, ability to uh, smell smell each other out, and evidently they know the body knows. Uh, you know when you meet someone, uh, when you when you're ready to do this, you know that it uh, the body, like other animals, uh, recognizes that this person is someone that you could uh, your DNA's could. Could do do things together, that's true. It's a it's yeah. a it's a sense uh, beyond. Be, it's a special a special, uh pull. It's not a it's not in your mind. And, you know, it's not something you reason with. It's it's a, on an animal level. I really believe there is a special determination. By the way, far beyond things you can think out. And uh, I think there are. You know, you may or may not meet that person in your lifetime, but when you do, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was the how I met my husband. Mm-hmm. And then it was all, it was like this, you know, for two years, and I talked him into marrying me, and that was about you it. Talked him? Oh, so hold the farm. What? You
0: talked him into marrying? Can you? T- Well, yes,
1: because the war was on and everybody we knew was away. And, you know, he was um, interning at the Mass General and terribly busy. And it was just, you know, I just kept hammering at him until I'd call him up and say, we need to be married because we really do. You know, (laughs) he'd say, really? You know, so finally I talked him into it. But anyway, I think there's a special determination beyond what you can ever figure out yourself. The species makes all kinds of determinations, I think, for you. And uh, one of them is that men are very different from women. They've, 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 I mean, don't fight it, because go with it, because believe me, you won't get anywhere...
0: So as a wife and mother you were really involved with your community as well as raising kids. Yeah
1: I must say here that we all always had enough money uh, uh, I built four houses in my adult life I built the house pretty much that I'm in now built a wonderful house I built a house in western Massachusetts when we were still in Boston and we moved to North Carolina started a four year medical school there worked I cannot. You cannot believe how hard we worked. Everyone, when I, I, as a
0: wife, you didn't have a a job aside from that. No, no.
1: By the way, when I was in grade school, women were not allowed to work during the Depression. They could be telephone operators. My, the teachers I had were were women, except the principal, uh, because but they had to be either widows or single. They could not be taking the job of a man that a man might have. Women, they were not able to work in in jobs until the Second World War happened and they went, they were needed. They flew planes to Iceland and and, uh, from America. They flew, there were three women on this island that during the war, uh, Annie Lesnikowski is one of them, they flew planes up to Iceland, and then they were from the manufacturers in America. Hundreds of planes, without any credit at all, until recently. And uh, there were three of them who lived on the island. Um, there, were, not many of them are alive still, but they just did heroic jobs. They flew those planes all by themselves, and then they were picked up and sent to, uh, you know, sent to the war over Britain. But you were, Keep me on the track. Oh, um, that you—the thing about
0: serving your community and. Oh being yeah, wife
1: and wanted, I wanted. I also wanted to say that we worked terribly hard, but we lived at a time when you could get an awful lot done, and people expected you to get a lot done. And I think it's very one of the things about today is that it disturbs me that it's so hard to get anything done. You have such dissension in our society. I mean, on this vineyard, uh, it's the you can drive down the roads if you live here all the time, and see things that have to be done that are never done. They'd rather fight about it for two years and not do it. Uh, but we also had help when we we lived for 26 years in North Carolina. We got a lot done. We moved on there, my husband and I, with the mission that we wanted to educate medical students. To become doctors to treat every citizen in North Carolina. And uh, we had huge goals. And we really, really worked hard at getting things done. We built houses. All the people who came to start the new medical school built houses and communities. I had all the streets around me paved. I put in all the hydrants myself. But there was all the result, the there was always someone who'd say, that's a great idea, now do it, you know. Or sure, of course. And uh, I don't find that spirit, certainly not on this island. They don't want you to do anything here. Um, if, uh, this is a personal criticism of mine. I've been here for a long time. Uh, this is a summer resort and it, to me it's very frustrating because it's, uh, it's, it maintains itself to um, service uh, uh, tourists and summer people, and then after cold weather comes, it all lies down. Um, I'm off the track. Uh, we worked terribly hard, both in the community, for the university. All of the wives I knew who were there were building houses. They were entertaining. Like Ten thousand people came. My husband became dean of the medical school. Ten thousand people came through our house uh, to be entertained, and when I think about it, I think, ye gods! But the reason I could do it is that I had tons of help. I could go to the University Inn and, you know, have a couple of waiters come. I could. I had a, a wonderful woman who, when we first went to North Carolina, she came up on the, her husband's wagon, sitting on the back. Yeah. And uh, she sat there for an hour or so, and I went out to the wagon, and I said, is there something I can do for you? And uh, she said uh, that we were renting a house out in the county. And she said, well, I, I wondered if there's something I could do for you. I said, well, what can you do? She said, well, I can clean and uh, look after some of these babies. So I said, when can you come? <laughs> yeah. So she was with us for tw- 26 years. Wow dependable help would free you up to do all kinds of other things in the community, in the hospital, volunteer work. I did all kinds of things in the community, and uh, people are still doing that, I'm sure, today.
0: Well, that's it for this episode. We thank you for joining the conversation and hope that you've been inspired. For access to more about our programs and publications, please visit trishabennett.com. If you're a married woman with a great love story that you'd like to share here, please let us know by messaging us at our contact page. Until next time, thanks for listening, and we wish you love.